This is Win, Lose, or Rain, the podcast about sports with a mean lean to baseball. We talk to the people, that is the players, the pundits, and yeah, even the occasional super fan. What are they about? How did they get here? What were their prospects real or imagined? And what's next? And while we're at it, let's throw a little pepper on the hot topics. No salad, all show. Here's your host, Abby Kowal. All right, guys, this week I had D1 baseball writer Aaron Fitt on the podcast just to wrap up the College World Series and college baseball in general. What a fun week and a half that was. Um, I believe he said they were there 15 nights, which is just crazy. A lot of good baseball. I had picked Arkansas to win. I came close. We all know how that one ended. But, yeah, still a great, great season of college baseball and already counting down the days till next season. So he shares some really great insight and talks about the atmosphere and environment and fans and it's a really great episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I just want to do kind of a college baseball wrap up, you know, talk about Omaha a little bit. You spent about a week and a half there and you know, the real question here is, are you still recovering? I mean, it's only been what a couple days since you've been home. Yeah. 15 nights in Omaha is a long time. Um, wow! I'll tell you, yeah, I'm still I'm still recovering a little bit, trying to get a little bit of work done before heading up to uh, going to Maine uh, this week for a long weekend with some family. So it'll be a chance to recharge the batteries a little bit. Is that the longest you've been in Omaha, or is that normal typically? Fifteen nights. Usually we're we're there for fourteen nights, and this year they just you know it, it all got pushed back one night because of the the rain out in the finals, but. Um, but that happened once before, I think, in, what, 16th Coastal when they had to move it back a day. So The lovely but rain yeah, delays. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was not fun. Yeah. So, you know, before we get into kind of the baseball itself, I always, you know, I talked to Tom Hart on the podcast about two weeks ago just about the experience in Omaha, and you've been multiple times, so... I just kind of want to start by talking about the experiment, experiment, experience in the environment. You know, I noticed one thing that really stood out was so many Mississippi State fans were there, a team that really wasn't supposed to be there, I guess you could say. A lot of rally bananas, but in your opinion, who had the biggest fan base there? I feel like it can be pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas, you know, they showed up in force, um, especially in the finals. You know, mm-hmm. that, was, that was pretty impressive. You know, the way they took over that ballpark, it reminded me of, of what Mississippi State did in 2013, you know, when they reached the finals. And, you know, you had the whole ballpark yelling maroon and white back and forth to each other. And, um, you know, that was that was pretty cool. And Arkansas kind of matched that. And certainly it helped that Oregon State also traveled well. And they, they traveled better than certainly UCLA did in, uh, in 13. And so, you know, it's it's not on the same scale, but I mean, the Oregon State fans were there and they were loud. Um, there were a lot fewer of them than there were Arkansas fans, but um, it made made for a nice atmosphere in that finals. And and certainly the Arkansas people. I mean, it's a six and a half hour drive, and they showed up, you know, in force. That was as good a crowd for that final uh, game. Games one and two of the finals. It's as good a crowd as I can remember seeing in Omaha. You know, it was awesome. It was really intense, especially. The ninth inning for that that second game when, when oh. everything kind of unraveled for for Arkansas, but it was very very intense out there. It was awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you know I noticed in the finals there are tons of Arkansas fans. I was going to ask you if that was a crowd that has stood out to you in the times that you've been covering the College World Series. Yeah, it really has. You know, especially because usually in the finals, um, I feel like 
the crowds are kind of hit or miss, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, we tend to get the best crowds the first weekend or, you know, on a Saturday, the second weekend. But those finals games are, uh, you know, midweek, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights. And um, a lot of times fans, you know, they're not staying around for those games. Or, right. you know, the local fans just don't show up in the same kind of force. And so to have those kind of crowds, especially for those first two games, I mean, it was – it was it was pretty special. It was pretty special, and yeah, you mentioned Mississippi State fans too. They showed up in force as they always do. I mean, those, those people really travel well, and they didn't reach the finals. But uh, um, it was it was a good mix this year, you mm-hmm. know, with, with Mississippi State and Arkansas in particular, with their giant fan bases, and you know, Texas always travels well. This wasn't maybe as strong as they have some years in the past, but um, you know, Oregon State for the West. I mean, they travel as well as anybody in the West. So it was uh, it was a really good. Uh, atmosphere, I thought, throughout the World Series. Yeah, the whole the whole week was super entertaining for me to watch on college uh, or on TV. I think this is one of my favorite weeks by far of the year, just sitting at home watching game after game. But that final series, that was something else. And, you know, Oregon State really battled all week because they didn't start the way they may have wanted to. Obviously, they finished with the national championship. But what were your key takeaways from this Oregon State team and what they accomplished kind of from the beginning of the College World Series to that last game? Well, Abby, it's, it's pretty funny because they didn't play their best game, I thought, until the very end. I mean, um, they were sloppy early in the World Series. That first game they played against North Carolina um, when they lost their, their opener, you know, they made three errors and a bunch of other mistakes. Um, it was just you know, I was like, who, who are these guys? This is not the team we've watched all season long. Um, you know, it was just mental errors and things that are you know, just very uncharacteristic of a veteran team that has a lot of very savvy baseball players on it. And in addition to just the pure talent they've got, you know, everyone knows that. I mean, they had three first-round picks and, you know, a fifth-rounder and a tenth-rounder in that lineup, and, and plus Adley Rushman, who might be number one overall pick next year. Um, so the talent is incredible. But, you know, this team typically has also stood out for its toughness. And so that's why it was strange. It was jarring to see them play pretty sloppy for, I thought, the first several days in Omaha. And they were able to, you know, kind of power their way through it because they're just so talented. Um, And they came from behind against Washington and just kind of exploded in the late innings offensively. And then they came from behind against North Carolina again the next time. And uh, they were down six to three, you know, in the eighth inning. Mm -hmm. And they went down to their last five outs, down, down by three runs. And it could have ended right then and there, but they just, you know, put on the afterburners there and all of a sudden you know, they go from being down six to three to, to winning 11 to six, you know, in the last two innings. So they're so explosive. They can do that to you in a, in a hurry. Um, and, and from there, it kind of felt like, you know, that bracket was theirs for the taking, even though they still had to beat Mississippi state twice. I thought they, uh, they pretty thoroughly outplayed Mississippi state in those two games in the bracket final. And, uh, you know, and then you get to the Arkansas series in the finals and, once again, they're down to their last out, you know, their last strike. I mean, you saw what happened. They, you know, they had that pop-up. Uh, Crazy. The foul pop-up. If, if that ball gets caught, it's over, you know. And as soon as it dropped, you kind of felt like, uh-oh, you know. It, you don't want to give these guys another chance um, because, you know, they, they, they take advantage of, of those kind of opportunities. And that's what happened. I mean, Caden Grenier even said after that ball hit the ground, you know, I felt like, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this count. You know, we got new life here. I'm gonna make this count. And of course, he delivered the game tie and hit. And you know, Trevor Larnick came up and, and gave Oregon State the lead five to three, and, and just done that place. It was it was incredible the way it sucked the air out of the Arkansas fans, and um, and the way it electrified the Oregon State people. It was one of the most 
insane turns of events I've, I've ever seen in sports. So yeah. that was just wild. You could kind of tell, too, the Arkansas fans got really quiet. Because that, that's all you could really hear on TV were the Arkansas fans yelling. And, I mean, they were one out away. And then you just complete shift. And I wanted to ask you about that, too, because during this series, there were a lot of controversial, um, not, I mean, a couple calls, but just, you know, plays, all of that. You had the sliding interference or whatever that was, the sliding slash yeah. interference call. The foul ball that was reversed, and then the guy goes on first base instead of second base, and... Of course, the pop-up. Could you feel like just the momentum, not even by the team, but just the environment change like crazy throughout this? Yeah, and it's it's funny because, you know, again, we talked about Oregon State's toughness, and I thought they didn't handle it well in the first game of the finals when, um, you know, the, the interference call went against them. I mean, it was at that point, it was the fourth inning of the game, game one of the finals, and they're up one nothing. you know, and they, even after this, this kind of controversial interference call, and, and, you know, and I didn't think it was necessarily the wrong call. I mean, I thought, I thought it was probably the right call. I don't know that I necessarily would have, would have called it in that situation if I were the umpire, but I'm not, certainly wasn't up in arms about it, you know. So, I thought it was probably the right call. So that was um, a, but when, that was a, go ahead. Technically, he didn't slide. Just, I want you to kind of clarify this for some people because a lot of people were confused about that and the ruling. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, what happened was he, he was halfway between first and second. And, you know, it was a 3-6-3, three, three, you know, double play attempt. And, and um, he didn't peel off into, you know, um, toward right field. If he'd done that, which, which you usually see, you know, if the guy isn't close enough to slide, he'll kind of peel off out of the out of the, the throwing lane, right? right. In this case, Rutschman just kind of, he, he ducked a little bit, and then he turned his back, and then he kind of popped back up a little bit. I don't think he was trying to obstruct, but he was just standing right there in the middle of the throwing lane, you know, and that's, you can't do that. And so, um, usually when that happens, I mean, you don't see it called that often, you know, when a guy's that far from the bag, you don't, typically see interference, but that's usually because guys peel off out of the throwing lane. Um, and he was staying right in the throwing lane. So, yeah, so they, they called interference. It was a tough break for, for Oregon State because it took a run off the board. You know, there had been a runner on third base when that play happened. So even if double play had been completed, still would have scored a run. Right. Instead, that runner is, is placed back at third base. But, you know, the inning wasn't over. I mean, they still had a runner at third base. You know, if you, if you just get a base hit, you still get that run home. And they couldn't get the base hit. And then the next inning, you know, again, they're, they're still leading at this point. They're up one nothing. It's the fourth inning. There's a lot of time to go. And they kind of melted down. Um, you know, they, they beat themselves. Luke Heimlich couldn't find the strike zone. His wild pitches and hitting batters and walking guys. And, yeah, you know, Nick Maskell made an error in that inning. And it was very, again, uncharacteristic for this Oregon State team that's kind of known for its toughness um, to have that kind of a meltdown. And, I was wondering at that point whether we were wrong about Oregon State and their, their makeup, you know, which we thought was, was supposed to be so special uh, because it really looked like they, you know, they've got this chip on their shoulder. They think everyone's out to get them. You know, the, the calls are kind of piling up on them, and, and it got to their heads, I thought. Um, and so to me it was, it was impressive that they were able to bounce back from that the next day. And, um, you know, again, it took a, <laughs> it took a botched pop fly for that to happen, but um, they were eventually over to, able to overcome it all, and when they got to the final day, of course, they just they just dominated. Yeah, I mean, after that uh, fly ball was dropped, I basically thought the same thing. I was like, 
they're going to have another shot at this tomorrow night. And that's dangerous for this Arkansas team to give them another shot. But that was just painful to watch. And then Arkansas, you know, question. I feel like this team was questioned a little bit going into Omaha because of their somewhat inconsistent defense throughout the season. Were you surprised at all or were you expecting Arkansas to go that far? They were my pick, so I was a little bummed. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I mean I wasn't surprised. I mean, for me it was it was kind of try favorites heading into the postseason and, and heading into the World Series. I thought it was Arkansas, Oregon State and Florida. You know, I thought those were really the best teams for me all season long. And even even a tick ahead of Stanford, who, you know, Stanford had a really good year, but I never quite bought them as an elite national title contender on the same level as, as those other three teams. I just thought Arkansas um, was really, really complete, you know, and I wasn't really that worried about the defense. I know they were shaky early in the year, and I, and I saw them in week two in San Diego when they, when they went one and two at the Tony Gwynn Classic, and, uh, and they played bad defense that week, but you looked at the personnel they had and you kind of thought they're going to be fine. You know, I mean, you got a veteran, you know, a couple of seniors up the middle with, with Biggers and Shaddy and, you know, you got a junior catcher with Pedigree and Grant Cook. I mean, uh, all kinds of, of key experienced players who have a history of making plays. I mean, those guys aren't, you know, exceptional defenders. They're not magical and Grenier, but they're, they're solid guys. Mm-hmm. I thought it, was, it eventually was going to click for them defensively, especially, as some of the freshmen grew up, as, as Casey Martin, you know, learned the ropes, um, and he wound up becoming a very good third baseman. You know, Kerstad um, is still not a finished product in right in left field, but he'll make a great play, and, and he'll make something happen without that big arm of his. So, as those guys kind of grew up a little bit, I think it helped that defense mesh, and and I just thought their offense, you know, top to bottom was was very powerful and intimidating, and and I loved the the power arms that they had, the depth of that pitching staff. So. Yeah, I certainly wasn't surprised to see him get that far. And to be honest with you, I probably would have picked Arkansas myself to win it all. Um, it was the fact that Kendall picked him, and I was trying to be different. <laughs> so I stuck with, <laughs> he got I stuck with first. Florida. Uh, but, I mean, you know, those teams to me were all kind of in a hat, those three teams. I thought that was a clear top tier. So do you, out of these eight teams, I know obviously it's been over for not even a week, but any of these teams that you see making a run next year with the some some of these players coming back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you have to start with Oregon State because they lost a lot. We know this. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they got a lot back on the mound. You saw what Kevin Abel just did in the World Series. And yeah. That guy is he's Unreal. a first-round pick. Yeah, I mean, he's a stud now. And I think he's ready to be, you know, one of the best Friday guys in the country now as a sophomore. I mean, I think that's what's going to happen. And they still have, you know, uh, Bryce Femmel has won a lot of games for them over the course of three years. and you know, Eisert and Mulholland and Chamberlain from the left side those are all really good pieces. So I think pitching is going to carry them next year in addition to Adley Rutschman. And, you know, I think you'll see Tyler Malone and Preston Jones kind of take jumps forward. So I think they could get back. Um, I think um, that's probably the only team I've got, actually, in my, my A for Omaha who was there this year. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised really to see Florida get back or Texas Tech, um, you know, or uh, – uh, Mississippi State even, you know, yeah. they've got quite a bit coming back. Um, North Carolina's got quite a bit coming back. So all those teams would be kind of in that if you had, you know, to go up with 16 or 18 teams uh, that are that would be the leading candidates next year. Those teams would all be in that mix for me. But the only one I've actually gotten my A for Omaha is Oregon State. Okay. Um, do you have – we'll kind of close this out here. Do you have any – a couple maybe crazy, funny, just – 
weird stories from this year? It could be anything. You know, my, my favorite moment, probably goofy moment of the year, um, was it was a Florida State-Clemson series. First of all, it was a fun series because Mike Martin broke the all-time wins record. Um, I think it was the first game of that series or the second game. Um, and, you know, that was a neat moment. And then the, in the series finale, I believe it was, Jordan Green for Clemson, who's kind of a, you know, he's kind of a reserve player. You know, he's a bench guy that uh, um, he has a lot of charisma and he's got some athleticism, but he's kind of a, you know, a smaller guy known for his speed and his defense, not really known for his bat. But he had entered the game, I think, as a defensive replacement. And he comes up and, and hits a walk-off home run to win. And, and it was, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty wild because not the guy you would expect to hit a walk-off home run. Right. And he was as, as elated as you could possibly be, and he's running around the bases and, you know, like he just won the World Series, and you know, it was an epic bat flip, you know, which I always enjoy. Yes. Um, and, you know, he got the shaving cream pie, it's all over his hair, and, and he goes to the press conference and just really, I thought, um, won everybody over with the charisma. You know, I think he had made some comment early in the season about, uh, I guess, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, and so after this game, he said, well, it's, uh, it's the most legendary blind squirrel ever. That was well said. He was just very charming. So and that, to me, was kind of the, one of those neat moments from this, this season. You know, there's a lot of those kind of moments that, you know, for a long season, there's a lot of walk-offs. There's a lot of action in the, in the regional round, I thought, this year. Um, you know, wild stuff. I mean, we talked about, you know, Florida State getting stunned by Mississippi State. and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that walk-off home run there by, by Elijah McNamee, who became kind of a folk hero during yes. that postseason run. Um, the LSU pitcher? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was how awesome was that? Now, that's a great – I'm glad you brought that up because that was really cool. Todd Peterson for, for LSU, who um, – I assume that's what you're talking about. Yes. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, was their, was their closer. Was, I guess it was the SEC tournament. I wasn't there, but I think it was the SEC tournament where he got in there. And, uh, or was it a regional? I can't remember. That was, um, I think that but, was, yeah, I think that was a regional. No, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. One or the other. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, this guy was a closer. And, you know, they'd done some switching, and his spot in the lineup comes up. And um, Palmineri's really wanted to keep him in the game because he was pitching well and so he asked him um, if he ever hit before and he said yeah I hit in high school <laughs> and so he went up there and he hit the, the game winning double and then afterwards in the press conference he admitted that he'd never really hit in high school he took batting practice a few times and that's it um, and so and Maneri was just beside himself you know I can't believe he lied to me about this but uh, but it turns out of course he, he made the, the most of his opportunity there I mean, that was that was pretty cool I it's love a, seeing a that memory. I love seeing that in the press conference well because I was like you know Maneri seems like t- such a tough guy and like to see him and in my mind he's like you know a, well he is a legendary coach and I don't know, just the, that whole program. And then seeing him just absolutely cracking up in that press conference. And my favorite part was uh, on the field, he was interviewed. What's his last name? Peterson? Todd Peterson? Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I just told coach, like, I hit bombs. Like, he said it just yeah. like that. <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> but I that loved kid, it. That kid's hilarious. That kid's hilarious. I, I talked a little bit in, in Auburn, too, and I was – um, I thought his personality was was, <laughs> was pretty entertaining. So, but that was that was well before he uh, he pulled that stunt. That's that's one of the great stunts in college baseball in a long time, right there. Yeah, that's great. Well, the season is like you said, long. So many fun things happen, and 
at D1 Baseball, y'all don't stop. So to kind of end this, can you just kind of give everyone, you know, what to look out for on D1Baseball.com this summer? And, you know, now that the season is over, but you're still all working hard. So kind of tell everyone what to look out for. Yeah, this week we've already taken a, a, quick, a quick peek ahead to 2019 with our, our early eight for Omaha. Kendall Rogers and I both made our, our very early picks for that. Uh, that's on the site now. Um, we've got summer college coverage well underway here. Our prospect team led by David Seifer. They're getting out there um, writing scouting reports on Team USA guys and other summer leagues across the country. We'll have coverage from the Cape Cod League. Um, we still have freshman All-Americans coming this week and, uh, and Coach of the Year as well and Freshman of the Year. So plenty of stuff uh, still on the way here uh, at D1Baseball.com. And then lastly, yeah, follow them on D1 Baseball on Twitter. They're D1 Baseball Buzz on Instagram. And then where can everyone find your Twitter? Because, um, well, during Omaha, I was just dying laughing about all those Twitter trolls. Um, but where can everyone follow you, you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm at Aaron Fit, A-A-R-O-N-F-I-T-T. And um, now that Omaha's over, uh, maybe I'll have a little bit more more appetite for some trolling here so bring it on everybody let's go <laughs> it was quite entertaining i just the, some of those people i love it i love how kindle they just go after kindle and say they hate every he hates every team it's like give it a rest people <laughs> i know but, i know well, he plays it up too so you know you gotta totally. admit kindle he brings it on himself <laughs> totally gotta love it though well thank you so much for your time aaron and yeah i really appreciate it have a good holiday tomorrow if you get it off <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Happy great talking to you. You too. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you again to Aaron Fit for joining the podcast this week. Everyone needs to go check out D1Baseball.com. They put out some of the best college baseball content out there right now. It's really, really good. And everyone who works there is just incredible. Good people all around. So y'all go check them out. And then don't forget, follow Win, Loser, Rain, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like and subscribe in the podcast app. Thank you guys all for listening. See you guys next week.